grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. It's uh, good to be with you here this morning. Graduation was last weekend at the university and uh, everybody is scattered now. Uh, graduates on to jobs and grad school and Lutheran Volunteer Corps and various uh, uh, projects and those uh, the underclass people will have a job maybe in the summer or relax or get some brain rest so they can start up in the fall again. So things are a little quieter on campus and uh, we don't have our Sunday morning services so that gives me a chance to come around and uh, connect with you folks and with other churches here in town and so it's good to be here. Um, I want to, uh, as always, thank you for your support of Lutheran Campus Ministry. It means so, means so much and is so important. Uh, funds that you contribute uh, through your budget and through your Jazz Under the Stars concert coming up. And uh, once a semester, uh, a meal that you bring for the students. And I think, Cindy, you cooked it last time. Raise your hand, Cindy. Thank you. Yeah. And others have done that over, uh, over the years. And it's such a uh, home-cooked, warm, good me meal for the students. Uh, if you feed them, they will come. And, uh, <laughs> it's, it's just an important thing. Uh, we had a, a great year uh, with our students this year. And uh, we're already thinking of the coming year. And one item on the agenda for next year, spring semester, we try to do uh, a spring break trip every other year or so. And a couple of years, uh, we went to Germany for a Steps of Martin Luther experience. And Russell, he went along. And I know he was selling lefsa here so that he could kind of get his uh, uh, cost down a little bit. And, and uh, well, our trip for next March uh, that we're planning is to the Holy Land, to Palestine and Israel. And uh, we're just really excited about that and, and think that that can be a pretty neat experience for a college student. And uh, Nancy and I have been there once. Have you been, Steve? And we just found it to be so... Uh, amazing and, and such an eye-opening experience to get a sense of the biblical world and the, and the land and we'll be probably staying in Bethlehem at the Lutheran guest house and then traveling around the country visiting biblical historical sites and connecting with the local Lutheran church and Lutheran World Federation projects in, in that part of the world so we're really looking forward to that and I mention that because I brought some envelopes along today um, we're looking for scholarship money to help students be able to go because we want to have the, the price affordable for as many as possible. So there are a few envelopes kind of by the baseball caps there, by the Primavera items I think that are being collected. And uh, if you'd like to give some scholarship money and hand it to Steve or to one of the um, ushers, we would just appreciate that. But, um, we thank you for your support. We thank you for your partnership in the ministry of the gospel in Tucson and, and beyond. So I want to preach on the gospel lesson today uh, from John 14, which begins like this. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, so that where I am, you may be also. 
I think many of us, when we hear this passage, we think that, well, Jesus is talking about heaven. And he's preparing a place in heaven. A dwelling place. Or in the King James Version, a mansion in the sky. And we tend to use this text at funerals a lot. Probably half of them, I'm sure. And we get a sense that, well, Uncle Harry has died, but Jesus went ahead to prepare a mansion for him in the sky, and we feel comforted that he will be going to that prepared place. And there are some hymns and songs. I went online to look for some uh, gospel hymns, and I found one that I don't think I've ever heard, but here's one verse. I've got a mansion just over the hilltop in that bright land where we'll never grow old. And someday yonder we will never more wander and we'll walk on streets that are purest gold. I want a mansion, a heart, and a crown. Anybody ever heard that? Yeah? Have you? Okay. Well, so... We tend to think that this is talking about heaven. And I have to admit that that's what I thought most of my life. But in my own kind of journey and transformation of thought over the last few years especially, I'm starting to question that and um, have, have been thinking in a different direction. And I want to share it with you today. And you may think I'm crazy. That's okay. Um, and whatever I say, Pastor Steve can fix afterwards. Uh, but I, I've begun to think about this in a different way. Um, so, in my father's house, there are many dwelling places. Well, yes, the father's house is heaven. But isn't the father's house also wherever the creator is? Wherever the kingdom of God is? wherever the reign of God is, is. And that's not just heaven, but that's the whole universe. It's every star, every galaxy, every cluster of galaxies, every planet, including our tiny little speck, Earth, third rock from the sun. That's the house of God, where the kingdom of God here is, where the reign of of God lives. And in this house, there are many, many dwelling places. And some of you might be into different uh, fields. So maybe somebody here is interested in physics. And so there's these atoms, these tiny little atoms, which are the foundations of life. And, and atoms are so tiny that a trillion atoms can fit on the head of a pin. And they're so tiny that the electrons going around the nucleus in a trillionth of a second go around a trillion times. In my father's house are many dwelling places. And maybe you're into chemistry and you see these atoms brought together into chemical bonds. And that's how you think about a dwelling place. Or maybe you're into biology and these bonds come together and make cells that are alive. And that's a dwelling place. And maybe you're into physiology, where the cells come together and form structures like muscles, or organs, or parts of a plant, a stem, or the roots. Or maybe you're into ecology, and you see all these structures come together and form an ecosystem. 
in the Father's house, there were many, many dwelling places. And this Father's house has been around for a long time. Scientists tell us that the universe is about 13.7 billion years, that the reign of God has been here. And our particular planet started about 4.6 billion years ago. And the reign of God, the house of God, was there. So that when life emerged about 3.8 billion years ago, God was there. And when multiple cell life emerged about 660 million years ago, God was there. And when ocean life moved on to land about 500 million years ago, the dwelling of God, the house of God, was present. And when dinosaurs and reptiles came about 295 million years ago, or when mammals, mammals came 195 million years ago, or primates, the Lord was there. Or when our particular species, Homo sapiens, came about 200,000 years ago, the modern Homo sapiens about 70,000 years ago, the reign of God, the, the, the kingdom of God, the house of God was there. And we took up one of the dwelling places as a species in this grand house of God. And so what does it mean when Jesus says, in my Father's house there are many dwelling places, and I go to prepare a place for you well, we have to kind of go back a little bit and think about our species. Well, what's, what's wrong with us? What's our problem? The problem is that we have said we do not want to live in the house of God. We want our own house. We want to declare that not this is our Father's world, we want to declare that this world belongs to us. And that's really what the false story is about, I believe. The tree of knowledge of good and evil represented the reign of God, who's in charge. And in the parable, the Adam and Eve characters, they invade that domain and state the claim. And so our problem as humans is that we think the world belongs to us. That's called human exceptionalism. Uh, to flush it out a little bit, it sort of means that we think we're special. We think we're more special than all the other creatures on this earth. In fact, we think we're more special than all the other life forms on this planet put together. We think we're separate from, superior to, the reason for, and the rulers of this world. And because of that worldview and that mindset, we have become a species that lost its place in the Father's house. We excused ourselves. We're building our own house. We think we can run this place better. And so really the fall is actually a mutiny. And at one point in the Bible, this is the saddest verse in the whole Bible, Genesis 6, 6. It says, the Lord was sorry he had made 
the human creature. And it grieved him to his heart. And he thought a way to destroy him. For the sake of the world. Saddest verse in the Bible. But then, and Daniel Erlander in the book, Man and Mercy, helped me to understand this better. Uh, the creator realized, well, can a mother destroy one of her children? Can a father destroy one of his kids? And so instead of destroying our species for the sake of the world, God put in motion a plan to try to fix us, to try to heal us, to try to bring us back into the household and take up residence in one of the dwelling places in the Father's household. And the rest of the Bible from Genesis 6 onward is that story of God trying to fix us. See, God already had a primary mission. That was the story of life. But one of his species went nuts. So he took on a secondary mission to try to fix us and bring us back into the household. And he tried many things. He tried to create a chosen people, the people of Israel. Their job was to live as part of the household and to become a model for the rest of humanity. This is how God wants us to live. They were chosen for that special service. But they often thought their chosenness meant special status. Or God tried law. Well, maybe if I have a bunch of commandments and rules and regulations, and if they obey those, well, the thing about rules and commands is we can sort of obey them on the surface and still be pretty rotten inside. Then God tried prophets. Well, maybe if I scare the living daylights out of them, they'll shape up. But you know, the thing about fear is it may kind of changes at first, but it doesn't last too long. It's kind of like when you get a speeding ticket no one here has ever gotten out, right? You drive a lot slower for about three weeks. <laughs> so scary. So finally God decided, well, I guess I have to come myself. But God couldn't come as the divinity because God is too awesome. Every creature with a heart would have a corneum. An acute myocardial infarction, it's called. Every creature with a vessel, that vessel would burst. And so, as Paul says in Philippians 2, the Creator emptied himself and became human. You ever wondered why the Creator, who is, is, is no creature, God is God, why God became human? Maybe it's because that's the species that was outside the house. If horses had been the creature that was misbehaving, maybe a horse would have been born in Bethlehem. If bacteria had not been doing its job, maybe bacteria would have been born in Bethlehem. 
or an animal chakra, or a javelina, or a gamble quail. But it was the human creature that was lost, and Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And so Jesus came to live among us and to call humans back to the household of God. There's a dwelling place for you. And in this passage, Jesus is going to prepare that place. Now, we sometimes think he's gone to heaven to prepare a place. Well, maybe it's a little more immediate than that. Because this passage takes place at the Last Supper. In, this, in John's text, he has just washed the disciples' feet. I'm going away. Where is Jesus going? He's going to the cross. And the cross is a place of self-emptying. It's not a place of self-aggrandizement. It's a place of coming into the fold, not a place of excusing ourselves from the fold and staking our own claim on the whole, the whole thing. And Jesus goes to prepare a place. And Jesus says, I forgive you, humanity. Now follow me. Follow me where? Follow me back into the house. Follow me into the community of life with the other creatures who live in the household of God. The Lord wants you here. The Lord doesn't want you outside. It's not good for you. It's not good for the world. Come in and reconnect with my Father's house. And that's where Jesus came to call humanity. And Jesus, I believe, comes to call each of us too, as a congregation, double peace, as campus ministry, as individuals. Follow me. I want you to meet your creation. I want you to meet God's creation. And we all can do that in different ways. I take a walk in the desert every morning at 6.30 or so. And we do organic gardening to play in the dirt and the soil. And others of you have other ways of connecting with God's creation. We need to move in that direction. I think we have what somebody said is a nature deficit disorder. Jesus says, follow me. I want you to meet this world, God. And follow me. I want you to meet your neighbor, your human neighbor, too. Because we're kind of broken in that area, too. And we learn from Jesus that our neighbor is not just people we like or people like us, but our neighbor is also the stranger and the strange one, the outcast and the one who's been cast out, the alien, even the illegal alien. I want you to meet your neighbor. And Jesus says, follow me, not only meet the creation, not only meet your neighbor, but you also need to meet yourself, your inner spirit, your soul. We have gotten disconnected even from this baptized kid that's inside here. This soul that God has made. And at the ground of it all, Jesus says, follow me. I want you to meet my Father. I want you to meet the Creator who loves you so much. Follow me. So this week, 
What do we do? Maybe it's a matter of li listening for the voice of Jesus. Where is he saying, follow me? It might be to meet a, a neighbor that we don't like. It might be to meet the creation in a way we haven't seen before. It might be even to meet our own inner spirit. Always to meet God. Well, that's how I'm starting to think about this passage. It might be way out there, but that's, that's just how I think right now, and we don't have to buy into it. But it's, it makes sense to me to think that Jesus wants us to uh, engage and to be in relationship in this world. And I believe in heaven, too. But that's coming later. Right now, he's calling us for a way, a truth, a life for now. Amen.